Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott. I am here with my co-host, Dean Matchy from Kimberly, Wisconsin, the Fox Valley Throws. Coach, what's going on? Excited for another podcast. Oh, oh man, we got a uh, very excited to release this next episode here. This is another Sharpening the Edge podcast. Coach, you got a you got a big week over there. You guys got conference and in track and and whatnot. Kids kids excited. Yeah, you know, graduation just happened on Wednesday night. You know, for all the seniors, so it's a unique year in that. Hey, those seniors are done, and we still have another month of some of the spring sports here. So. Uh, uncharted waters and uh, very exciting for our kids and uh, we can't wait for the month of uh, June July and August here to help our athletes get better yeah we're very excited we got you know very interesting times over here too you know we're a big baseball community over here we have Sun Prairie that's a, the top ranked team in the state and you know the the baseball playoffs are going way into the end of June you know with all the stuff with COVID and it's just really excited to see the kids out playing uh, doing a lot of things and as we talk about you know, various sports and a lot of different sports, you know, with our sharpening the edge, we'd like to review some of our topics and some of our past guests. And man, the last two guys were just outstanding. And, you know, we have probably the best offensive lineman to ever play the game and Joe Thomas. And then a guy who really is a, a great leadership of, of young men, Lewis Corella, um, that, that joined us and talking about multi-sports, you know, that was a big thing that Joe talked about. I think it's a huge thing that, that gave him a lot of success uh, through his playing career and whatnot. Even I think went to the comment of, you know, the NFL now is teaching guys how to pass set based on the way he passed set, which he said was attributed to the way he threw the shot put, which is incredible, right? I mean, just using multi-sports and, and we share this a lot. We share this with other coaches, the value of playing multiple sports, correct? Yeah, that's big. You know, and my, uh, you know, ability or opportunity to coach the Kimberly throws, you know, for uh, the boys shot put and discus and then running the Fox Valley throws club. Uh, it has been, has been unbelievable as far as helping all athletes become better in all sports. I mean, girls volleyball and basketball and, you know, in the, in the football track connection is really big, but, you know, I had an opportunity to, to see Joe at North Carolina state. And uh, I had a guy named Brandon Hool that was at Oshkosh North when I was coaching at the time. And he, you know, he threw that shot, but 62 foot eight and ended up going to the university of Wisconsin. And, and Joe obviously knows Brandon and that we were at an all American meet. And I, I just remember Joe, you know, and him sitting there with his dad, we talked about the famous fishing story, right? Draft day and everything else. But, you know, I talked to his dad a little bit and just watching Joe just get himself ready physically and mentally to perform was, you know, unbelievable at that time. You know, it was a big um, time in my life where I thought, wow, th this is what the best in the nation do to get not only physically ready with a dynamic warm up and everything else, but mentally, I just saw him over to the side, visualizing a perfect throw, going over some technical things. So now having that experience with, you know, on the podcast and talking to Joe and him mentioning how the glide made him a better offense alignment was, uh, was so special. Cause I didn't even know it at the time. Right. And like uh, you, you as, know, a as a throws coach, right. You're like, okay. O lineman, this is why throwing is important, right? This is why doing multiple things. He brought up basketball about the agility and, 
and a lot of the other things too. I mean, it's just, it's right there in front of everybody and, and coaches that are telling these kids, you need to specialize at an early age and parents, you're doing your kids a disservice. I mean, we have, I could tell a quick story. We have a kid that that's at one of the high schools we service. He's a basketball kid. You know, he loves basketball. He's a, now all of a sudden he's like, you know what, coach, I'm going to go for track this spring. And he's loving it because he's getting the things that Joe talked about. He's challenging his body and his mind in different, different areas that he's never done it before. But we talked about it with, with one of our other guests. I think it was coach Polisek about college coaches coming and watching athletes compete in other sports, not because they want to see if they're good or not. They just want to see if they compete. And that's a great lesson that Joe talked about training your mind, training your body, but also in competing, you, you never turn off that competitive edge that you have. You know, I've, as a football and a track coach, I, we've had more football college recruiters come to our track practice and watch our athletes than ever at a football game. You know, and a lot of that is obviously do it just because it's their football season, but these recruiters come out and they want to see how somebody can move in a seven foot ring and a shot put or an eight foot, two and a half inch ring and a discus or, or whatever the case is. Hey, do they have great balance? Do they have great hips? You know, we're, we're really challenging them and making them better. And the other thing that really hit home with me with Joe was, and, and this has been my experience being a Fayette teacher for 26 years is, you know, kids get bored when they only do one thing, even when they love that one thing, there's times where they just get totally bored with it. Right. And, you know, we talk about injury prevention, you know, many times when we design programs, Brian, we're trying to do things in other different planes of motion to help balance the body out so they don't get injured. And when you do something repetitively over and over and over, and you don't get them other types of movements in different planes, that's when injuries can really skyrocket. Right. And I think, you know, overcoming injury, you know, and, and facing some of those things is another thing that Joe talked about, you know, injuries are going to occur in sport, you know, you're going to sprain an ankle, you know, you're going to, you, you may land on your shoulder wrong. You know, we try and as strength coaches, we try and prevent everything. You know, we try and I think we, we call it, you know, creating a suit of armor on our athletes. You and I have talked about that. And I know Joe's talked about that as well. And even Lewis, you know, it's talked about that in my, some of the conversations I've had with him, but injuries are going to occur. And Joe sustained, you know, a monumental injury, you know, where he was going to leave for the NFL draft. I mean, I don't think there's any secret, you know, I think everybody could say maybe he was, I mean, he was rated as the top old lineman that year. And as kids, kids and parents and coaches and everybody else needs to listen to this point because Joe stepped up for his team in the scenario where he was, he knew that he could be throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars down the drain, but because the team was so important to him and that carried through his whole career, we, you know, he talked about that with the Browns and things like that, how he was able to play when they were not very successful. I know one thing is strength and conditioning coach, Brian, when we, you know, the, the last thing we ever want to see is anyone get hurt and we right. know it's going to happen. It's just inevitable. Right. There's, there's only so much you can do, but you know, the big thing with Joe that they really struck home with me was he reached out to Lee Evans and you know, Lee Evans, when you right. were down with your back. I watched, I watched Lee get hurt. Like Lee got hurt in the spring game. I'll never forget. 
watching Lee go, you know, and that's when spring games at Wisconsin completely changed. You know, Lee ran a post route and, you know, the, the corner, not, not, you know, he was, it was in man coverage and, you know, he was trying to make a play. He was, and he was on Lee's, you know, jumped on Lee's back. Lee made a hell of a catch and, and went down and I'll never forget because I was on the, you know, the, I guess you would call it the white team and, and JD, John Detman was on the Cardinal team, you know, as a representative strength coach. And about five minutes over, I looked over and John and he gave me the thumbs down and we were, I mean, you know, so injuries do occur and, and you can't ever predict when they're going to happen, but how you respond to it is, is one of the things Joe talked about, you know, focusing on what you can control. And, and Steve Jones talked about this. We talk about it, controlling the controllables. And Joe, like most people, that first initial thought is, oh my gosh, you know, I think he called it a pity party. You know, you wanted to, you know, woe is me, you know, and, you know, he even called it pathetic, you know, that you get into that feeling, but we all get that because it's emotional. You know, you, you get that feeling of I've lost this, I've lost this, but you do your job, then you control what you can control and you keep your attitude positive and, and you come back and you have a great support system. And like you said, um, he was able to come back even better than what he was because he was able to stay focused and control the things that he could control in the moment. You know, he said it made him a better person, that adversity and a much better athlete in the long run. And I, I'll give you a high school example. Brian, right now we had a football player and, you know, he had a couple of years, sophomore year, he ended up breaking an arm and junior year he had a knee injury and, you know, senior year, you know, he's uh, had a great football season for us, you know, and he just utilized that time, you know, getting hurt to do other things and train around it. Remember when Joe said, hey, hey he hurt his left arm tricep. Yep. And so what did he do from a strength and conditioning standpoint? He worked that opposite limb extremely hard. And, you know, the body, again, is so smart at response. So when he got back, he was still getting better, even though he was injured. So finding a way to make yourself better when you're injured, I think, is a big thing that we deal with all the time. And then, you know, this case with my athlete, he's continuing his track season. You know, he's throwing PRs. It's his senior year. He's finishing. And more importantly, he's doing it with one of his best friends in high school. And I think that's a, a lot of the things that we don't, you know, people don't understand, you know, like spring sports is going the end of June. Some people could have the pity party and say, well, you know, I'm going to lose a, a month of my summer. Other kids are utilizing this that, you know, we didn't have a season last year. And so I'm going to finish. Yeah. And I'm extremely proud, you know, of my athlete, you know, as, as he's going to finish his senior year and he's going to remember that forever. Right. And, you know, doing it with your friends is, is something that I think is highly overlooked because in today's day and age, you know, you have the, your AAU, you have your travel, all that other stuff where, you know, it's so recruiting based that you kind of lose sight of those relationships. And, and I know that Joe had really strong relationships, guys like Ben Strickland and some of the other guys he went to high school with. Um, hey, the Browns should have drafted him. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about There's that. No doubt about that. We'll get, we'll get Ben on the, on the podcast here because he's a coach at Edgewood and, and, you know, Ben will, Ben will have some interesting perspective on, on, on Joe as well, you know, but I think just focusing on those things you can control is so important. I think kids lose sight of that, right? They start to look at social media. They start to look at other kids, maybe in their conference coaches start to do that. Oh my gosh. You know, 
what is this school across the way doing? We got to do that. You know, when in a sense, you look at what you have within your organization and you focus on the things you can control. And I think a, a, a good topic that Joe brought up of controlling things you can control was his weight gain. And, and you see this at the high school level, Dean, and kids, you know, they want to get bigger. They want to get stronger. They want to gain weight, but they don't do it the right way. And it, and it can be very simple. It's very simple. Calories in versus calories output. You know, you have to take in more calories than, than you're expending through your, your energy throughout your day. But you can't just eat potato chips and slop and junk, stuff like that, because you still want to put on quality weight. And Joe, you know, gave great example of what to do. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I think if you go through, I, I saw on Twitter to this, this week, at least, at least a dozen different references to peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, whether it's strength coaches, athletes, things like that. I've got snacks. I'm having this. I came home last night. Carson, do you have anything for dinner? He goes, yeah, peanut butter and jelly. And it's, it's a staple and it's easy, gives great source of nutrients and allows kids to continue that process. I know you go through that at the high school level. That's a, that's a big thing for you guys there. Yeah. You know, it's a big question. We get with a lot of our football players, you know, everybody's trying to gain weight, but you know, I always say it's, it's so simple. It's hard because most people have access to a lot of food, but can you have the discipline and can you develop the habits to continually eat lots of good foods throughout the day. And that's especially hard in the summer. You know, right now we're starting to hit some 90 degree days out and kids aren't drinking as much water. They're not drinking as much milk. You know, we're always talking about hydration and what, you know, the effect that has on performance. And as far as decreasing your power output, obviously it increases your chance of injury. And then from a mental standpoint, you know, you can't make great decisions in games. People forget about that. You know, we're always so concerned about, hey, we're jumping higher, we're running faster. But what about in sports? you got to make a lot of decisions. Think of a point guard in basketball, a quarterback. You know, you have to make a lot of split-second decisions. And when, you're, when your brain's not fully focused, that's going to make a heck of a difference as well. But keeping it simple, I thought was huge what Joe said. You know, milk. You know, I grew up. Well, you know, I, I did a lot of um, work the summer job on my grandpa's farm. You know, the guy I, I teach on a day-to-day -day basis, Coach Mangan at Kimberly High School, which is an unbelievable young strength and conditioning coach. You know, he grew up on a farm, but not only, you know, was he excited about hearing that, but that's whole food, that's milk, you know, that, that's stuff that we need, not processed junk food and all that kind of stuff. And then not only that, we got to bring the farm mentality you know, the farmer's getting up morning. They're, they're getting their routine. You know, they're getting things done. You know, Joe said, make the main thing the main thing. You know, why are we doing this? Why does the farmer get up early? There's a reason, you know, because he has to get work done. And, um, you know, that again, that farming approach, years and years ago when we started doing this, you know, 25 years ago, Brian, we for all the weight room equipment and the fancy weight rooms and indoors and all the different types of private training that's out there now is the best athletes were farm kids. Right. Right. And I think like, like you said, when, he, when Joe related it to farming, um, you know, he talked about setting a routine and for athletes that could be, I, to me, that may be one of the best points that he made is setting a routine and that for coaches as well is that getting into a routine 
And I think for coaches, one of the things that building a routine does, it allows you to take care of yourself mentally and physically because coaches, we put ourselves on the back burner. So many great coaches, you see burnout. I heard, you know, I know that coach Krzyzewski is retiring and uh, this year from Duke and, and you just heard some of the comments. I listened to ESPN radio when I wasn't listening to the get your edge podcast, but I was listening to the ESPN radio and they were talking about coaches burnout. And a lot of times coaches are going to burn out because you don't take care of yourself. Well, a lot of times it's because we don't just have a great routine set up. I know what my routine is. The first thing I do in the morning is I have to get my workout. And Lewis talked about that as well is if I don't get my workout in, in the morning and take care of myself mentally and physically, I'm never going to do it. And kids and I, you know, AJ Klein talked about this, getting in a routine, getting up early in the morning, getting stuff done. The most productive people in the world, whether it's financially, whether it's business, whether it's athletically, all have that same common theme. They get up early, they get their day started early, whether it's, you know, maybe it's reading 10 pages a day or listening to a podcast in the morning to make themselves smarter or better at their craft. Maybe it's like you, I'll message you at 5.30 in the morning and you're watching some YouTube video on, on throwing. Uh, maybe it's just getting on the pre-core or getting a half, you know, maybe it's taking your dogs for a walk. But coaches, we're losing good coaches because we don't, a lot of you don't set a great routine. And athletes, it's the same thing for you. Setting a routine and creating purpose. Joe, was that was another thing that he talked about. Creating purpose with your routine. So why am I, why am I getting up at five in the morning? Well, if I get my half hour walking with my dogs, I know mentally I'm going to have a clear head. I'm going to think about maybe get through some of my day. And then I can give my all if I'm a coach to my athletes. So I, I'm not thinking about, because at the end of the day, if you don't get that workout in or if you don't take care of yourself, at some point during the day, you're going to be like, well, I got to get, I got to do this for myself. I have to do, you know, so take care of yourself first, set your routine and then go from there. Because once your routine is set and your, your body is like a supercomputer, you know, we talk about eating as well. If you eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a couple of days at like eight in the morning, 11 in the morning, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon for a couple of days, all of a sudden your body's going to start thinking, wait, wait a minute. You know, I've done this for three days. Where is this nutrition? Okay, so building that routine in is going to help you with reach so many of your goals, both as an athlete and as a coach. Yeah, you know, Lewis brought that up too, Brian. Is you know, he said have a purpose and a plan as a coach and an athlete. Yep. You know, and and that's very important. We talk about you know why, you know why why do we do what we do? Why do you run a business? Why do I run Fox Valley Throws Coach? Why do we work with kids and help them? you know, achieve their goals and athletics, you know, they're, you wake up in the morning and then there's that big why. And, you know, I think that's very important as athletes too, is, Hey, why, what am I trying to accomplish at this practice? And I think, you know, once you have that, why you have that purpose, even the days when I know a lot of coaches are thinking burnout right now is a long year, but then you go back to that why and say, yeah, this is why I do what I do. Right, this man. is why we're doing this podcast. We want to give great information to coaches, athletes, and parents. And that's why we're doing it. Right. And I think, you know, the, the why, why has become a very powerful word 
in, in coaching and athletics, right? People aren't really so concerned anymore about how they want to know why, why are we doing this? Why am I, why am I coaching? Why am I spending 12 hours a day away from my family? Why am I going, you know, for me tomorrow, you know, tomorrow morning or whatever morning, why am I getting up at four 30 in the morning to make sure I do this? That way I can get into the gym at six in the morning. You, why are you getting up at five in the morning watching a throwing video? Um, why am I making sure I'm drinking, you know, hundred to 150 ounces of water a day? You know, the why is going to motivate you and athletes. If you know why you play a sport or if you know, you know, what, what is your, it goes back to purpose, you know, purpose and why are, are very much the same thing, right? You know, when Joe talked about when you asked him what he was kind of doing after his playing days, you know, and he said, you know, he's just doing a lot of little things after retirement and his priorities change after the NFL. You know, when he was in the NFL, he talked about family coming in and watching him, you know, the next day at the stadium and he'd be, you know, using recovery boots and studying, you know, notes on his opponents because he took his job first and everything was regimented for him when he was in the league. And now, you know, it, it's different for him post-retirement. And he has a passion. Um, he talked about um, encouraging people and just doing things that he wants to do and having that purpose. And that's why a lot of people struggle after their playing days. Yes. And, um, you know, just the, the way he talked about that, I think was very important. You have to have that purpose. And a lot of guys, when they were done playing the NFL, he said they didn't have that drive. They didn't have the routine. They didn't have the purpose. And now, you know, he's working out on the farm, you know, and he's coaching. He talked about dabbling into some coaching with the passion yep. he has for football and track. And he's a successful businessman and he's working for the NFL network. But, you know, his priorities went from, hey, being, being in our opinion, the best offensive lineman ever to play the game of football at the highest level in the NFL to now prioritizing his family and doing stuff with his kids and doing some of those little things that he couldn't do that he's kept on with family now. Well, I think, and that goes back to the statement of keeping the main thing, the main thing, right? Football was his main thing during the season and, you know, for a while in the off season. And uh, one of the comments he made was the quicker you accept the circumstances, the better off you're going to be. And high school athletes, you need to hear that. At some point, your playing days are going to be over. You got you have to accept that. You have to understand that you're not going to have a regimented schedule. And I see I saw this with so many college athletes. Everything in college, in and I grew up in college football, and but even you know track, volleyball, all these other sports, everything for athletes is regimented. Six a.m. left. When you're done at lift, you have breakfast at eight a.m. Then you have your classes scheduled. Then you have your tutors scheduled. Then you have practice. Then you may have study table. So everything is scheduled for you. But then what happens? Those days are over. Those playing days are over. Now you have to do this for yourself. And the quicker as an athlete, you can learn how to do my own scheduling, how to set up my own time, how to make my own breakfast, how to prepare food, how to, if I have a four or five hour you know, meeting that I'm in, maybe I got a job and now I'm meeting from 9am to 1pm every day. How do I 10 minutes before I go to bed, pack something for a snack. So having that routine, very important 
And then going back to making the main thing, the main thing, like Joe said, when you're in something, so if I'm in track, I'm focused on track. If I'm at a movie with my, with my girlfriend or with my wife, I'm focused on that. You know, same thing with you. When you're, when you're with Tracy, you know, you're focused on Tracy. And when you're coaching, you're focused on coaching. And I think a lot of times in this age of social media, so many people want to multitask and you see coaches on their phones and you see them doing a lot of different things like that. Worrying about keeping the main thing, the main thing and being in the moment and being present is so important if you really want to be successful. You know, one thing Lewis brought up that I really enjoyed too is, you know, he said you got to have a strong vision and that comes with that why and that purpose but you got to believe in yourself. And when he talked about, you know, being at all these different places and all of a sudden, you know, he got fired from a couple of places. We're talking one about one of the best strength coaches in the, in the nation right now at the collegiate level. And all of a sudden you're, you're getting fired one year and you're the strength and conditioning coach of the year, the next year. And a lot of these things are out of your control because, you know, it could be a new staff comes in. It could be a bad record. Uh, yet you're still doing an unbelievable job. And, but once you start believing in yourself, you can do whatever you want to do. And, and that was big. You know, it's kind of like in school situations right now, we always ask kids, you know, what do you, what do you want to be when you get out of high school? What do, what do you want to do? What are you thinking for a job? You want to go to a four-year college? You want to go to a technical school? Do you want to go out in the workforce? And, you know, I was one of those individuals, you know, I went to college and then boom, you know, the parents wanted me to be in a business and get in the business world and be an accountant, you know, like one of my uncles. And, you know, my true passion is I wanted to be make a difference in kids' lives. And I wanted to coach because those were people that made a big difference in my life. And I loved athletics. I loved playing all different kinds of sports. And, you know, if it wasn't for sports, my high school experience wouldn't have been the same. And once you decide what you want to do, he mentioned he started getting straight A's yep. in college. And, you know, that's the thing. I think sometimes when we talk to individuals and, and kids are uncertain what they want to do, once they find that, then all of a sudden, then they see how applicable it is to help them in their lives. Right. And I think, and I think a huge statement. Right. And I think, you know, going with that, he talked about, hey, you know, is your vision that strong that you can walk into the kitchen and, and tell your wife that, hey, we got fired or that you have to move your son? Um, it, and it goes to the statement, you become what you overcome. You become what you overcome. Joe went through that. AJ went through that. You know, you guys at Kimberly went through that. You know, when you guys came to Kimberly, you didn't have a big indoor building and, and any of that stuff. You know, when I started Sports Advantage, you know, we were in about a 5,000 square foot, you know, and not even that, maybe a 2,500 square foot area. Um, but you become what you overcome. And I'll never forget the day that, you know, I sat my three boys down and said, you know what, guys, uh, my time at Wisconsin is done. I, I need to make a decision here based on different family circumstances. And, you know, this is, this is going to work. And with Lewis, you know, he's talked about that many times, you know, this, I, you know, you, you get fired from this job. What are you going to do? Wallow in self-pity or are, are you going to overcome it and be successful? 
Yeah, Lewis had so many great things there, and you could just tell from watching his, you know, stuff on social media. And again, oh. if you didn't, oh, good. If you're not following him, you got to follow him. It's just unbelievable the information and the videos that that he goes through and just the motivation part of it, you can tell he just has a passion to help all of his athletes. When he talked about, he interviews every athlete, you know, that he encounters and he gets to really know and build those relationships. And we talked about that on previous podcasts as well, but right now is a perfect time, Brian, because the summer is starting and we got athletes that are going to go on and play at the collegiate level, regardless of what division. And we asked Lewis a question of what, you know, does he look for as far as when kids step onto campus, what they lack? And he mentioned they lack mobility from an athletic enhancement standpoint. Conditioning was another big one. And, uh, you know, you were at the Wisconsin, you know, you, and you can talk a lot about that with all your over a decade of experience, but you know, what are your thoughts with what Lewis talked about is make an impression once you get on campus for those athletes? Well, it, it's the old adage. You never get a chance to make a first impression. And whether you're going, whether you're going to a, a, a camp before you're in college, you know, the, those are really prevalent now and those are heating up. I mean, we have, we have a ton of kids now in our different gyms that are, that are going to these one day camps and, a lot of them are, are really doing well because of two things. One, they bought into the process that we get them, but two, they're in great shape so they can handle the rigors and the pressure. Your body goes through a different type of pressure. You're in front of people you don't know. Um, you're in front of other people that you're competing against that you don't know. So your body's a little tense. Are you prepared for that? When we had kids, you know, walk in the door, we, we would bring our freshmen in, in the summer and you were always the most impressed with the kids that could handle some of our functional conditioning days that we had our position specific stuff. You know, we used to do stadium stairs, the guys that could make it through that. And you're going to see, and, and nowadays you see, you know, so many of these Twitter videos and, and Instagram videos of guys quarter squatting 600 pounds and you know, and, and, and even the guys that are, that are having the big squats that look really good. That's great. That's fantastic. And I can use a Louis Simmons, you know, Laura Phelps, uh, who's going to be talking at my gym here in a few months, um, reference is 15 to 20% of your workout is based in that main exercise. You know, your squat, your bench, your deadlift, you're clean. If you're an Olympic lifting guy, the other 75 to 80% is in your work capacity or your auxiliaries or your GPP. So you have to develop great work capacity in order to train in the weight room, just like you have to on the football field, on the track, things like that. I went and visited Joe probably back in like 2005, 2006. Tom Mislinski, great, incredible NFL strength coach. Hope we can get him on the podcast someday. Talk to me about tempo runs and, and building work capacity with his athletes. And he made a great comment and athletes and coaches need to understand this because there's this misconception about building work capacity in athletes nowadays that everything has to be specific, position specific, blah, 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 all that are garbage. You can live without food for a certain amount of time. You can live without water for a certain amount of time. Can't live without oxygen. 
Your body can't utilize oxygen, can't function, you know? And typically that's, that's when people die. Okay. As, as old age, they can't, they can't breathe anymore. Um, and, and same with athletes. Okay. When they can't utilize oxygen at a high level, that's when they kind of step off to the side and they can't make it through a run. And that's also why guys can't, we saw this with one of our kids, we were doing flying tens, preparing a kid for a camp. Okay. He had really poor work capacity. He did his first flying 10. He ran a one, I think 101, which is a pretty good time. Now, again, we're also running from concrete into the turf. So it's not an ideal scenario. So really good time for a young kid. His next one was a 105 and his next one was a 108. So I'm talking about a, a, a three second activity, but because his body, what oxygen also helps you do and what being in great shape helps you do, helps to recover between the, the bouts of exercise. Even if you're doing max effort squats, that recovery between, okay? He couldn't recover fast enough to run his second sprint. Well, when you go to a tryout camp or when you go to a, you know, a PBR, you're going to run at least two sprints. And if you can't re recover between the first one, and the second one, those numbers are going to be so far skewed. They're going to be like, well, wait a minute. Did we, were we too fast on the first one or did he not run good on the second? You know, what is it? And then all of a sudden coaches start questioning you. Um, and so there's a big big advantage to what Lewis said, being just in great working shape. That doesn't mean that you have to run mileage. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about running three miles a day. We're talking about being in good working shape for whatever your activities are. If you're a volleyball player, can you do repeated jumps at a very high level? That's something we test at our gym. You know, we test between 10 and 20 jumps. We look at the first jump to the, to the 20th jump. And is there a big decrease in power output? If there is, when the kids are in, when you're in practice, athletes, that power output's going to show up. And parents, if your kid is just doing specialized activities and you're not doing, you know, general physical preparedness or GPP to make sure they're in great shape, that's where injuries occur. Injuries occur for the most part in sporting events. I'll use football, typically in the last three to four minutes of the half, last three to four minutes of the game. Why? Because kids are tired. Seniors, I know that's been a big peeve of mine, you know, pet peeve of mine. If you're uh, going to be going to college, you know, your first impression is huge because these colleges invested, you know, not only their time, maybe their money, depending on what level you're at, but they obviously want you to come and perform at their school. Make sure you go in and you are prepared. We talk about that. Preparation is the key to anything. You're taking a test. You're going in for a job interview. You are prepared and you are ready to go. I think that is big time advice for you seniors this summer. So make sure that you make a great first impression. Leading into that, you know, the other thing that Coach Lewis, you know, mentioned is once these kids get on campus, he interviews all of them, which yeah. I thought was very impressive. And I know, going, they, you know above, that, and be, going above and beyond, right? Way, way above, Brian. You know, I know yeah. just it's a thing I need to do a better job with. And, you know, it's it's probably a little bit more easier at the college level because you're going to have a little bit more time. You're not on a teaching schedule the whole day. But I know that's something, an area where I need to improve in. But he said he gets on paper what the athletes are capable of doing. So he holds them accountable. That really hit home with me. And then the kids understand it takes much more work 
than they think in order to accomplish those things. And, right. you know, it's pressing the right buttons with every athlete because every athlete is motivated differently. You know, a lot of coaches will come and, you know, when we're speaking at clinics, you know, how do you motivate kids? How do you motivate the kid that, you know, just doesn't want to be there or, you know, is trying to get a scholarship or is trying to get a starting spot? And he mentioned, you got to really get to know that athlete, hold them accountable and put something down on paper. And then constantly, you know, communicate with that athlete, the work that you are going to have to put in to make it happen. Cause everybody wants that microwavable, that one exercise approach and that quick fix. And there is no quick fix, Brian. We know that you have to consistently work your tail off. And that's been something that we talk about all the time. Consistency is key. And uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, when you start holding kids accountable to what they can accomplish versus telling them that what they're not doing goes back to what both our guests talked about, about positive reinforcement. You know, I, you'll never, I don't think you'll ever see a kid light up more than when you tell them, I know you're capable of more than what you're giving me right now, because you're immediately telling the kid you believe in them. And as a teammate too, as an athlete, you know, a lot of times, you know, as a leader, you think that holding your teammates accountable is telling them what they're not doing and things like that. Well, first and foremost, you better be doing it before you're telling other kids and other teammates that you can't, but reinforcing the fact that, Hey, you're capable of more than what you're giving us right now. Let's, you know, let's, I want to see that immediately softens the conversation to a point of this person believes in me. This person thinks I'm, you know, capable of more than what I'm doing. And some kids come, you know, everybody comes from a different background and some kids are never told that some, some coaches are never told that, that, Hey, I think you can coach harder than this. You know, we sit in a staff room and you got all these great ideas and then you go on the floor and you kind of, you kind of step back. I, you know, I have to do that with my staff sometimes in the gyms I'm in, because I think there's this, and I had this fear too, when I was at Wisconsin, right? You have the head guy, you know, maybe a little bit more domineering. And so you kind of want to just take a step back and let that, no, get in there and, and, and give what you're capable of. You know, um, one of the things that really bothers me, Dean, is, is just give 110% you know, or give, 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 I'm going to give 110%. No, give me what you're capable of every single day. Give me 100% every single day. We talk to our athletes at Sports Advantage about this, 100%, 100% of the time. Because if you give me what you feel is 110%, at some point, your body has to balance out and you have to give back that 10% so that you're going to have to give 90 at some point or 95 a couple times. And those could be the times we really need you to give us a hundred percent. So enforcing a positive approach to talking to kids. I had a couple kids the other day from a really good school. And I'm talking about really high end kids that are going on to play college athletics. And you could tell some frustration in them as I was coaching them, because those of you that have been to our gyms know we coach how you do thread the needle. We coach how you do fire hydrants. We coach how you do leg swings. We coach how you, how you squat. We coach how you do leg curls. If it's in our program, we coach it because it's important. And 
these kids had never been in a situation where everything was valued. And when I sat down with them, I said, guys, I said, what I saw from you guys today, and I mean, some freakish jumps and sprints and stuff like that, but the little things are what really are going to make your guys's career. And I said, we're going to coach the little things very hard. And that's why you're with us because you want us to do that. And coaches, when you start telling the kids again, back to why I'm doing this, why I'm telling you this, I'm not doing it to pick on you. I'm doing it because it's important. And it's in the program for a reason. You know, that's exciting. Part of what we do, Brian, is when we, we believe in the athlete more than the athlete believes in themselves, you know, and I think that is what's really fun, you know, of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I remember, you know, one of the other quotes from Lewis, that was great. You have to believe in yourself, even when things don't go your way. You know, we talk about that, you know, with the water it situation in our program is it's easy to water it when things are going right, but it's not easy to water it when there's a little adversity or there's a setback. So you really got to believe in yourself. And that kind of leads us into the next thing is we got a lot of parents out there and both of these guests had incredible advice for parents. So I just want to start with some of the things that really stood out as far as parent advice from Joe, because he's got some kids. I think he said his oldest one was eight, but what it really teaches you being a multi-sport athlete is a commitment to yourself and to your teammates. And then he said about, it teaches to respect your coaches. And you might not agree with everything that your coach said, but you really have to respect that authority, respect that coach. Because again, many times the coach is doing it for free. Right. Look at youth athletics. These coaches are volunteering their time and, and they're trying, they really have the best interest of you, but they might not have the, the training that a teacher has or a coach that does it on a daily basis. If they're, for example, you know, um, somebody that works a different type of job, a skilled job out there, whatever their craft that they do is. And then he talked about, what do you do when your kid gets done with an athletic contest? Encourage your kid in a positive manner. Joe really talked about that. And he talked about his experience with coaches that he had even at the NFL level talking about, don't fumble the ball, don't do this, yeah. don't do that. But being able to articulate it in a very positive way makes a big difference. And he talked about the brain. And think of one thing and let your kid talk about the game will give you a trusting relationship with your son or daughter. And wow. we know dealing with our own kids in athletics, it's hard to do. So um, what are th some other things that you experience, Brian, with your kids? Well, it I, you know, I coached Cameron until he was in eighth grade in football. And I coached Jaden with edge baseball, our edge baseball Academy that we have in, in, in Madison that, um, you know, we're really working to continue to build and grow and, and do it through being a complete athlete versus just the baseball part of it. And as, as coaching him both in, in little league, I was so concerned as a parent, I really grew as a parent and as a coach through this process with him is every game, you know, when he was younger, 
you know, we get in the car and there, you know, we start talking about the game and some days were really great because, you know, he's a really good player in my opinion. And some days were not really good. And those days that were not really good, usually the car ride wasn't very fun. So had to make a decision at some point, either I change my approach or I quit coaching because devaluing and, and worsening a relationship with my child was not an option. So what I would do and what I started doing with my kids when I got in the car with them is I looked at them. I said, man, I really love watching you play. And we were not allowed to talk about the game until we either got back to the hotel, if we were, uh, you know, out of the, out of the city or until we got home. Sometimes we, we would play an hour and a half away. We had to sit there. We couldn't talk about the game until we got home. And that softened the moment because as parents, a lot of times, unfortunately, and, and I was guilty of this too, is how your kid plays, you feel like defines you as a parent. It doesn't. They're kids. You know, they're going to play bad. They're going to strike out. They might strike out to lose a game. Uh, they may give up a home run to lose a game. They may miss a free throw. They miss, miss a layup. They may, you know, do something really stupid. Okay. It happens to all of us, but it doesn't define us. But I think we take that so personally. Oh, I want my kid to be the best. I want my, everybody wants their kid to be the best. There's no, I can't imagine, you know, people out there saying, I, I want my kid to be the worst player on the team. I don't, I don't think that's happening out there, but going at it with a sense of, I want him to enjoy it because what he's going to learn from it, I mean, way more than, than if he's the best player on the team and how he grows and how he works with other people, which is a life lesson, how he works at his craft, how is she, he or she, sorry, works at their craft to get better. Maybe they're not a starter. How can we encourage them to do what they need to do to become the starter versus bagging on the coach? And saying, well, that coach doesn't like you. I'm just going to, and you have, we call them program jumpers, right? They don't like the coach because their kid's not playing or their, their kid's not playing shortstop in the baseball academy. So we're going to take them to a different place because that, that place is going to let my kid play shortstop. So I'm going to jump here. Well, in two years, I got somebody better. So I'm going to go here. You know, and, and in eight years, your kid has played in like six different programs. Why? Be to satisfy your need as a parent to watch them play the position or, or do something you think they should do. Sometimes we got to, we got to put a little more trust and faith in the people that are, that are out there giving themselves. Otherwise grab a whistle, you know, grab a whistle, grab, grab a stopwatch and you go out there and do it. You know, a lot of people want to sit and, and I know I'm going to be really critical. And I, and I'm, I can be a critical parent too, because I have a knowledge of football. I've watched the best offensive line coach in the country for years so I think I have a pretty good idea on how offensive line is supposed to be played. I've played at the highest, you know, a national championship in baseball. So I understand the game. So I can be pretty critical too. And I find catching myself sometimes too. No, if, if I want to influence the game, if I want to influence practice and in the starting lineups, grab a whistle, you know, and the coach from South Carolina, I can't think of his name. He's got a really great YouTube video out there. You know, you go volunteer to do that. You know, and if you can't, your best bet is just say, hey, I really appreciate you taking your time to give my kid the opportunity to play. You know, that leads us into Lewis's butterfly story. And I think this is huge for parents. You know, that butterfly needed to break through the cocoon. And if you don't struggle, you won't fly. And parents, I think the hardest thing to do, at least was for me, is you got to let your kids struggle sometimes. 
you know, and from a parent's perspective, parents are always trying to, you know, uh, battle to take care of their kids out. They're trying, they're, they're trying to solve the problems. They're trying to be the communicator. And one of the things that, you know, I've always said is, hey, you know, you got to talk to the coach yourself. You always got to yeah. go, you know, I'm not your coach. Go talk you to your coach. To coach. And that's hard to do as a parent because sometimes as a parent, you want to get on the phone and you want to call the coach and say, hey, you know, what, what's going on? And a lot of times, you know, their communication process from your son or daughter to you is a lot different than what the communication was with the athlete, the coach. And, you know, a little struggle is many times going to make that athlete learn a lot more, first of all, and then end up being a lot better in the long run. And I think as coaches, you know, sometimes we get too caught up in X's and O's and not in all the other things that really matter in the kids' lives. And, you know, as I think we're about ready to finish this deal up here, I think the best thing that Lewis said is, are you a coach or are you a difference maker? And sometimes as parents, we have to look at, and I look at Steve Jones, you know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, he goes, I'm probably a B in X's and O's. There's a lot of guys out there that are probably better X's and O's than me, but I don't know if there's a bigger difference maker in our state for what his, him and his program is doing for other, other kids. And there's a lot, and I use Steve cause I know Steve and I can reference him. There's a lot of other really amazing coaches in our area and our state that are more than just the X's and O's. And there are also other coaches that are exceptional X's and O's, but they don't have the relationships with their kids. Building relationships, we've talked about it for many weeks now, is the most, probably the most important thing you can do as a coach with your athletes and your parents. Because like Lewis is, he's interviewing every one of his kids. Why? Because he wants to make a difference in his life, in the kid's life, not just from a football standpoint, not just from an increasing his 225 standpoint, he wants to send this kid out into the world. You know, he's, he's got a great, um, I'm trying to think of where it's at. It's, it's probably on Twitter um, where he says, you know, coaches, you know, worry about how they're going to coach when they see who's in the seats, who's in their seats in their meeting room. Difference makers get excited, you know, before they even see who walks in the door you know, of how they're going to impact these people's lives. And that's what being, that's what being a leader is all about. You can be a coach, you can be a leader or a difference maker. And we need, you know, people to be difference makers in kids' lives because there's a lot of stuff going on in their lives right now um, that we never experienced when we were, when we were young. You know, that's great stuff, Brian. You know, I noticed Lewis said that, you know, we as coaches, and it doesn't matter if you're a strength coach or a sport coach or whatever coach that you are, a youth coach, an NFL coach, we got to be there for athletes in their toughest times. And right now, just, you know, battling this pandemic, I think it's been the, the, the biggest and most important time for coaches to be there for all of our athletes. And we're seeing more mental health, you know, mental illness out there right now. And uh, we can do a lot to make a difference and not in good times, bad times. He talked about homesickness. You know, you can empower them in the weight room. You can get kids to know, hey, they so-and-so lives in the same state and you can get them to break down the team and you can reward things that don't take talent. And by the way, Lewis, I know you're listening. If you 
get your no talent code booked on. I'll be the first one to buy it. That's for sure. An autograph copy. For Absolutely. Sure. Um, you know, as we wrap up here, Dean, again, we want to say thank you to so many different people. Um, we can't, you know, first and foremost, we need to thank our wives, you know, for allowing us the extra free time, you know, to talk to each other through this mechanism, through being able to talk to incredible people on a weekly basis, being able to share uh, incredible stories that, that not only our guests have, but, but how we apply it as well. And I just can't, you know, all the, the different reviews, we've got incredible reviews from people. If, if you're listening to this, please give us a review. Um, and if it's something that you think, if you have topics that you can think of, our Get Your Edge podcast, Instagram or Twitter sites, you know, get uh, at Get Your Edge pod, follow that and, and send us a direct message. If, if there's things that as a coach that you want to hear from Dean or I, um, or, or, or a guest, you know, we've got people lined up now as guests that, that want to hop on and share some of their stuff, please send us, you know, we, we want to provide, uh, we're hoping that, you know, we're perceived as difference makers, um, in, in this by what we're doing, because we just, you know, we want kids and we want coaches to have great experiences. I know one of the most difficult things for us is when we do the sharpening the edge, Brian, is to try to make this, you know, within our goal at 40, 45 minutes. We're way over that. We got probably um, 20, 20 more minutes of uh, yeah. different topics that we want to hit on, but um, we're going to continue. We're looking forward to uh, the next episode. You want to let them know who we got, Brian? Ooh, yeah, we got uh, we got an all-time great running back uh, from the University of Wisconsin, great track athlete, from uh, our state, Brian Calhoun will be hopping on podcast next week. We're very excited to have him on. Um, just a real quick plug. Those of you guys that are throwers, or if you have throwers, Fox Valley throws, they start their uh, sessions July 5th. Uh, get with Dean. I mean, he's, I mean, he's doing some great things uh, with that. And even if, you know, throwing isn't your top thing, you're going to learn a lot of life lessons being the Fox Valley throws. And then, those of you that are in the Madison area, uh, I believe Sports Advantage is the premier training uh, facility. We have a facility in Verona. We have one in Wanakee. We have one in Beaver Dam. High schools, okay, we also are doing consulting with different high schools um, at a lot of different levels, helping you with your strength program, talking to your athletes, doing a lot of stuff we have on the podcast. So, Dean, if you don't have anything else. Nope, thanks for all of our listeners. Appreciate all the great comments. And um, anybody has any suggestions, please direct message us either on the Instagram or Twitter. Looking forward to it. We'll see you next week. Chop it.